0: The following talk is an update on COVID-19 Novel Coronavirus with Dr. Elodie Carmody, done on March 13th. Please note that recommendations and information about this virus are changing rapidly and constantly. We will try to keep updating our listeners on this important topic. As always, this information does not constitute medical advice. Please contact your healthcare provider for any questions or concerns or if you have symptoms of this virus. One clarification that I learned today from today's New York State Department of Health talk that was done after this conversation with Dr. Carmody is that if someone is a close contact with a patient already diagnosed testing positive for COVID-19 and gets tested despite still being asymptomatic, if that test is negative, You still need to remain in quarantine for the full 14 days. In other words, if you get tested day three and you're negative, you're not done, you have to wait out the 14 days. Hi, my name is Elisa Minkin, I'm a general pediatrician and I'm also the co-chair of the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association JOMA Preventative Health Committee. I'm here today with Ellie Carmody, who is an infectious disease doctor and has a master's in public health from NYU and Bellevue Hospital, and she's here today to do an update on coronavirus. And I just want to say, first of all, thank you, Ellie, so much, so much, so much for being this. here. You've always been so helpful to us. Um, The message of the first podcast still holds, which is to not panic only more so and to wash your hands only more so and to be prepared only more so. And so we're going to talk about the stage that we're in right now, which is that the coronavirus is in our communities. It is circulating now. So let's just start with how widespread do you think it is right now? I think it's, I think it's widespread.
1: Um, You know, as we know, um, it's, You know, well, circulating it with well over 100,000 cases confirmed in in the world, Mm -hmm. and it's over in in over 100 countries. So I think that you know, at this point, within our communities in around uh, the New York City area, for example, it is widely circulating, and that's why our state and our uh, city governments have both declared a state of emergency.
0: So that sounds really scary. So maybe I should panic.
1: No, I don't think you should panic. Um, I think that we expected this and I think that our public health infrastructure for them is, is preparing for this and it has been prepared for this. Um, And, you know, I think that what's reassuring is that again, most cases of this are going to be mild illness. And what we really need to do at this point is, Uh, to protect those of us who might not have mild illness. So meaning those people who are increased risk for, for developing, you know, severe disease or becoming very sick with COVID. Um, And those people are the people who are older, let's Mm -hmm. say older than 60. Um, Those who people who have cardiovascular disease, heart disease, uh, lung disease, cancer, diabetes, and those who may be immunocompromised due to, to the various medications um, so what we're doing right now um, is, is really trying to protect those individuals, and, and we can speak a little bit about that.
0: Yes, yeah, so please do.
1: Sure. So the most important thing that we can do right now is social distancing. Mm-hmm. Um, social distancing refers to essentially people trying to just do what's essential uh, to conduct their daily lives. Um, so, meaning, go to the grocery store, get food, uh, go go to go home, um, be able to work from home. Um, kids are actually now more and more um, being uh, conducting distance learning at home um, in order to reduce the amount of people who are in constant constant contact with each other. Um, and what this does is, we. Think that it will not necessarily change overall the number of people who are infected with this infection uh, over the next uh, year, but it reduces the uh, speed at which the cases increase, and it oh. also you know reduces the peak number of cases within a very short period of time.
0: So, so Why is that is, important?
1: That's important because we really need to preserve our healthcare resources for the people who are sickest with this illness. We want to make sure that we have the intensive care unit space for them, the ventilators for them, um, and we want to make sure that we can take care of other patients in our hospitals who have the usual cardiovascular diseases and complications from diabetes and and all of the other things that people come into hospitals with. So again, what we're trying to do and what the purpose of social distancing is, is to what we call changing the epidemiologic curve. Mm really trying to sort of flatten, flatten out that curve, if you will, um, to ensure that we have the resources to, to manage this epidemic over the next year.
0: And and there's a very good um, visual on this on a website called The Conversation. Um, mm-hmm. looking for this. Uh, Theconversation.com slash coronavirus control measures aren't pointless. Just slowing down the pandemic could save millions of lives. And I think it's such an important concept, this idea of flattening the curve. I mean, I think people may be hearing this from the news, the concept of flattening the curve, but not understand how important it is, because I really feel like there is sort of a dichotomy going on. There's people panicking, and there's other people saying, well, that's hysterical. We shouldn't be panicking. And, and we shouldn't be.
1: It's so agree. counterproductive
0: to panic, and it is so counterproductive to hoard. People, please stop hoarding.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. I, you know, I think this is a, an infection that we need to take seriously, right. but I think it's not something we need to panic about. And it's not something we can be flippant about. Exactly. Um, There's a middle ground. We need to have a middle ground for this. Prepare, protect the elderly and the immunocompromised. uh, And, you know, deal, we have to deal with uncertainty at this point as well.
0: Right, right. That's a hard thing. And especially when our reaction would be, let me know more. Let me keep turning on the news and listening again and again and again. Right. Let me ask lots of questions, but we don't have answers to a lot of these questions right now. No, we
1: don't. You know, when we get, uh, you know, studies are published piece by piece and we get a little bit more data every day, um, but there are many un- uncertainties. So I think that, you know, as the as the disease evolves, as we have more published data, uh, you know, th- there are groups that are being very responsible about publishing their data quickly and, and we really appreciate that within the medical community. Um, but, you know, we, you know, they're just healthcare providers, public health officials. There may be just things we don't know. And uh, I hope that the public can be patient with us.
0: Right, because novel, the word novel means new. Yeah. New means we, we're learning with everybody else. We're all in this together. And that goes to testing, because I think a lot of people are going to say, I want to test. Where can I get it? Should I get it?
1: hmm Yeah, I think that that's a really important question. Um, I think at this point, I, I wish that we could have the testing capacity to test everybody who feels that they need to be tested.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: At this point, we simply can't.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: the, the testing is being prioritized for, for people who are sick, uh, so definitely people who are coming into the emergency room with you know significant shortness of breath and cough, um, patients who are uh, contacts with people who are known, uh, who have known COVID disease, um... And people who are high risk again, still there's some, you know, there's some travel-oriented uh, uh, exposures that we want to be cautious about and test quickly. Um, but you know, people who are young with very mild illness, I think that the the message is currently that those people need to stay home. Um, perhaps presume you have COVID infection mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and just stay home uh, because you know, you don't want to expose others, Um, whatever you've done in the past, you know, seven days, or three days, there's nothing you can do about that. Simply stay home at the point in which you develop symptoms. Um, And, you know, I, I think that, you know, for the most part, we still need to reserve this testing for those who really need it.
0: Right. And to reiterate, for people who are young, particularly children, this seems to be so mild. I mean, in a way, it's good in a way it makes it more difficult because it makes it easier to spread by people who have mild, you know, symptoms. Right. But Sorry. on the flip side, you don't need to be tested if you're mildly ill, except if it were me, I'd want to know for somebody in my family that might be higher risk. So exactly. then what do you do if you're told to stay home, you're not able to get a test. Right. And what do you do for those family members?
1: Right. I think, um, I think for those family members, um, really, if they're at high risk, um, certainly if they become symptomatic, it shouldn't be an issue with getting them tested. Um, If they're asymptomatic, there still may be some restrictions on that. I think what is really important is that, you know, these tests are being, uh, you know, the, the, the ability to test rests with their healthcare providers. So, People who are at risk, again, those people with cardiovascular disease, those who are older and those who have diabetes or other um, immunocompromising conditions, those people should call their healthcare care providers and see you know, what their health care provider would recommend. Perhaps the test could benefit them. Um, and again, testing capacity is vastly expanding. So I think by the you know, middle of next week, so that's you know the, the sort of mid to late March, I think we'll have automated testing. Uh, And that will vastly expand our capacity for testing.
0: Right. And it may sound basic, but someone who is exposed but asymptomatic should not be tested.
1: Yeah. At this time, no. obvious. Yeah. I mean, unless there's a a clear, close contact, those people can be tested. So, you know, if your husband has uh, COVID-19, the Department of Health will issue, you know, certainly issue a test for you.
0: But would they do it right away? There's an incubation period. It doesn't make sense. My point is it doesn't make sense to be tested early oh. in the incubation period because there's a whole long period. It's up to 14, between two to 14 days, correct? Yeah,
1: yeah no, I agree. I, I agree. And I think that there, there are so many decisions that are being made individually. Um, so, you know, it may be that, uh, you know, you, if, you are a, if you're a contact of somebody who has developed cl- uh, COVID, you, you absolutely should stay home and self-isolate. Right. I think that's the important message that we right. need to get out, is that right. self-isolation is incredibly important. And if you're, if you're uh, confirmed uh, contact with a person who has COVID, it's 14 days of, of self-isolation.
0: Right. But not everybody will know that they're a contact, because not everybody's getting tested. So I think we just have mm-hmm. to presume at any one point in time, you could be contagious. And that's where social distancing comes in. I think that It seems extreme when shuls and schools are shutting down, Mm -hmm. except we have so many, particularly as from Jews, we have so many interactions with people and shutting them down as much as possible right now to help flatten that curve, to help reduce the illness we have right now. We don't have the capacity is something we do have control over.
1: Yeah, we have control over it. And, you know, clearly it's very difficult in times of distress in times of uncertainty we want to be with our loved ones. We want to be with our communities, um, but at this time, our responsibility is to maintain social distancing. Um, because again, as you mentioned, I think it's important to assume that at any point one of us could have this and one of us could be transmitting it. Uh, so we just need to remain within our sort of uh, sort of our immediate families, and um, you know try to maintain as much uh, connection with our communities as we can, whether it's virtually, you know, whether it's social media, just being on the phone with people, uh, whatever, whatever we like to do. I, I just think it's our responsibility right now to social distance.
0: Right. And I think also, it may be hard for people to understand that they think they have just a cold, but because we don't have testing, there is no way to know that what you think is a cold is actually COVID-19. And right. so therefore you have to be so strict, even if you think, okay, well, my family is young and healthy. I'm not worried. We all have to remember that we have a rave to each other. We have responsibility to each other. Right. And that exactly. we all have a role to play, which is stay home, stay home. Right. Exactly. People were coming to shul and coughing. Why? They shouldn't be. Yeah. So now shuls are closing down a lot of them, but not all of them are. There's inconsistency in, in what we're doing. And, the message we're giving today is no matter what anyone else is telling you i don't care what the department of health says or what the cdc says right now because that's constantly in flux and also they are not from our community right i mean mm-hmm. the way our community works is different than the secular world right. we are more interactive and more close-knit baruch hashem we are uh-huh. but right. not and not everybody's shutting down so some places will be very strict and again, that shouldn't be viewed as hysteria that shouldn't be viewed as panic inducing It's just to flatten the curve it's just to limit the spread so even if your programs are open, you can use your own judgment to stay away
1: exactly and I think you know just to emphasize something that you're saying that we um it's it's that we're being proactive it's when right. we're not reacting we're being exactly. proactive. Um, and we're taking on a collective social responsibility, um, to change the course of this epidemic.
0: So what would you tell, what would you tell a family member, say you're home and you have fever and cough and you were told to write it out because you're young and healthy. Do you say anything to people?
1: If you have a fever and cough and you're, you're young, is that what your, your question?
0: And you were told to stay home because there's no testing for you. Yeah. Which isn't going to change your outcome anyway. Thank God you should be fine.
1: Yeah. I I would just say, stay home and until, you know, stay home.
0: Right. But if it were me, I would tell my family members and people I was in contact with, you know, I'm home right now. Don't panic. Mm
2: -hmm. I think
0: people panic when they hear all these numbers. And Mm -hmm. I think the numbers are so misleading because it's only people we're testing. Yeah. For me, the middle ground is don't panic when you see numbers going up. The numbers must go up as we test by definition because it's here. But on the flip side, don't underestimate your illness that wasn't tested. I feel like it's with right. the flu test. You know, we, we have so much faith in the flu test, and yet the flu test has a very high false negative rate. The rapid one we do in the you know, mm-hmm. doctor's offices has a very high false negative rate. So what happens is we test for the flu, and if the person gets the flu positive, they say, oh, I have the flu, and they react to it. And then if they're negative, they say, "Phew, I'm so glad, except they may still have the flu. There's a very good chance they do uh-huh. have the flu. And so they should be reacting the exact same way because we have, again, that uncertainty. How do you behave in uncertainty?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: That's what I meant by I'm not trying to be disrespectful to any organization. I'm saying that we're going to have to use our sechel here. Right. And be careful because we don't know. And we have to accept that we don't know.
1: Right. And I think, you know, similarly, if you have the flu, you stay home. uh, And... Uh, and um, you know, you you try not to expose other people. And I think you know the message here is the same. I think that what's unique about this virus is that again, people who who have very mild symptoms, they don't tend to perceive the need to stay home.
0: Right. Um, you know,
1: most of us are used to going to work with a sore throat. Right. Um. And or cold. yeah, or a cold. Um. And so I think that our our vigilance about how we're feeling it needs to to be higher. Um, and our efforts to, you know, think about the fact that we could have this um, and just, again, practice this self-isolation, stay home when we're sick, that really needs
0: to uh, to escalate. Right. Now, say you were exposed to someone who you just found out was positive. And I think we need to go over what exposure is significant or not. Mm-hmm. First of all. I mean, it's coming out in the news, but let's just go over it one more time. What would an exposure be that's significant? What would an exposure be that's not?
1: Okay, so there's, there's. I have to say, there's a lack of clarity about what close mm-hmm. contact is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, someone who is within six feet of you mm-hmm. and is coughing,
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: is confirmed to have COVID.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: a clear exposure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, it doesn't actually matter if they're coughing on you. It doesn't matter how how much time has passed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're assuming that they have, like, had direct, that you've been exposed to their droplets, their secretions Mm -hmm. from their cough, and you should be, you know, you're a a close contact. Mm -hmm. Um, Other close contacts are considered to be uh, members who are living with uh, somebody who has COVID in the home, uh, and then also people who have visited those individuals. I would also say uh, Harusa would be considered to be a close contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, anybody who you're spending, let's say, you know, more than half an hour or so with, I, and again, but I, I really hesitate to use.
0: Uh, right, I heard 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, is, I mean, it could really really
0: shorter. 15. Say you went on delivering shalak manas, mm-hmm. and you might have been talking to someone for 15 minutes, and you would definitely be within six feet because you're not standing exactly. six feet away with a normal exactly. interaction.
1: So again, there's so much lack of clarity about what this what this period of time is that constitutes mm-hmm. the close contact, and how that is different than what's called approximate contact. So um, until we have the capacity for more testing, I think you know it's it's more clear that the close contacts need to be uh, m- evaluated much more clo- closely uh, than the proximate contacts
0: and, and the quarantine, because the we'll the next decision is okay, I was exposed you know, say I gave shalach to someone and I stood within, um, this happened to me, that's why I'm going to, say, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> and I stood less than six feet away, right? And they didn't cough on me, right? And mm-hmm. I'm making this up exactly because it's actually this person. Um, it's not necessarily habit, but I'm taking it from that scenario. Um, so say I gave shalach to someone who, who tested positive for coronavirus, which did not happen to me. Um, and they um, talked to me for, some period of time, which could be 15 minutes, but it's not half an hour.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And what do I do now? Do I go on quarantine?
1: I think the message is that you should be self-isolating regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, I think it's important to, to do that. Yes.
0: So quarantine and self-isolation, are those the same thing or are they different?
1: No, they're different. So quarantine, you know, the, what that really reflects is uh, a mandate from the Department of Health.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it, it's something that the Department of Health issues to you. Um, and with with that, uh, you're actually confined to your home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it means that you're not allowed to go out in public. Your food must be delivered to you. Um, within your home, you have to isolate from other individuals by, you know, more than six feet. Uh, you should be masked. Um, and then, but if you're, if you're self-isolating, um, then there's a, a little bit more leniency in terms of your, the permissiveness of your activity. So you're allowed to leave your home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but again, you really shouldn't come within six
0: feet of any other individual. So right. it's more of a voluntary, right. Social distancing on steroids. You yeah. Know, more exactly. enhanced social distancing, which makes sense. Exactly. It makes a lot of sense. So that's good. That's good clarifying that. Thank you hmm okay so speaking of masks we don't have masks who has masks where are you supposed to get these uh, masks from
1: <laughs> you know we hope that uh you know that the
0: healthcare providers have
1: masks again
0: no I meant someone who is in quarantine are they delivering uh, masks to the home you Oh, I, masks I don't no, think so
1: to be honest I don't think so
0: yeah I don't think so so let's just take that I don't want people to hear this and think oh my gosh I don't have a mask and speaking of masks I also don't have Purell I don't have Lysol wipes. Every time I go to the store, they're out of them. They're out of all cleaning supplies. Right. Which leads me to well, let's talk about that first. Then we should also talk about surfaces because I think a lot of people are worried mm-hmm. about surfaces. Mm-hmm. So let's first go back to I don't have Purell. What should I do? Because <laughs> yeah, I know
1: I think you know uh, soap and
0: water work very well. You know, absolutely and the- right. It <laughs> dissolves yeah. the virus.
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, in the CDC recommendation is—you know—the first recommendation is always to wash your hands
2: mm-hmm.
1: thoroughly for 20 seconds, fronts and backs, in between the fingers, and to certainly, you know, rub the thumbs well. Right. Um, you know, that is the that is the first recommendation. It's only if you do not have access to soap and water um, that you would use a hand sanitizer. For example, if you get in a cab and then you get out of—you know—you want to kind of do your hand sanitizer when you get in the cab and then do your hand sanitizer when you get out of the cab um but you know soap and water works very very well um in those situations
0: what can you do you're out of the home what is what can you do when you're out of the home and you're not by soap and water it
1: and you don't have purell
0: and you don't have purell right Um, a lot of people can't get it including me
1: Uh uh-huh I think, you know, just don't touch your face. That's mm-hmm. really
0: important. Mm-hmm. So if
1: you, if you just, just think about your hands being contaminated mm-hmm. um, and until you have access to, to soap and water or, or a hand sanitizer, I think you just, you just have to be mindful of that. And right. just,
0: yeah. Um, I think it's important thing, to be mindful of it regardless, because the truth is that you wash your hands or you Purell your hands and two seconds later, you're touching something. Right especially your phone, by the way, which is probably the dirty thing. They they
1: are recommending that uh, phones really be wiped down um, as a, as a frequently touched surface.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And, you know, I think Apple has come out and said, you know, bleach is okay. Bleach wipes are okay to use on your phone.
0: Mm -hmm. Can you make your own wipes?
1: Um, You can make your own wipes. You can make your own spray bottle. Um, So yes. So the, uh, The recommendation would be, if you have bleach in your house, you use 2% chlorine bleach solution. You put one tablespoon in a quart of water, and there you have, you know, your solution for your wipes. So, um, you know, or you could just spray down your surfaces with that and wipe it up with, uh, you know, a clean towel.
0: Right, and for the surfaces that can't be, like I think certain granite surfaces may not react well to something like that, you can use soap and water. Yeah, Absolutely. How often would you be wiping down surfaces? Yeah, I think <laughs> you can't. You know, what I mean,
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, I think you have to live your life, you right. know. Right. Um, so it's 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 difficult, you know. I I think
2: it's
1: you know if it's within your own home, I think you have to be reasonable. I think you know, uh, you know, again, it's the most frequently touched surfaces. So it's doorknobs. Um, uh, countertops and you know but, th- but those light switches those things that people are touching with their hands very frequently uh, you don't need to go you know cleaning your house every day like it's based off like you know
0: well speaking of Pesach and the way that might be beneficial to us
1: <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> we're already getting prepared
0: we're already soaking in bleach maybe but um, um,
1: I, I right. don't to be honest I don't have an answer for how frequently people Wait, but, but
0: but when I hear this I keep thinking people People are the most likely place to get Mm -hmm. Mm COVID-19. Hands are the most likely vector. So if you think of your hands as always not clean, you're better off than if you have a false sense of security because you have your Purell. Right. You're not, you're not going to swim in Purell.
1: No, no.
0: Especially as there is a shortage of it, you're going to be conserving it and then you're going to be touching things like your phone. So you have to, you know, think like a surgeon going into the OR.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Right
0: you know, you don't touch things.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So touch things as little as possible that could be contaminated once your hands are clean. And once you've touched them, understand that they are contaminated. Yeah. It's a kind of constant vigilance. Right. I think it's important. And again, this isn't a panic. This isn't hysteria. This is what we have to do now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Someone has a fever and a cough what should they do? Should they go to the emergency room? Should they go to their doctor?
1: No, I think what they should do is call their doctor. Right. Um, there's no way that um, physicians at this point can handle um, the volume of patients with these complaints.
2: Um, also and also, really exposure. Right. it's really
1: mm-hmm. not safe for people to, to go into a waiting room. Um, and particularly, you know, if, if, if they're at higher risk for COVID complications, and there's somebody in the office who has COVID, they really you know, don't want to be there. Right. So um, the, the best advice is really to call your doctor. Um, I, you know, if you, if you can't get a hold of their doctor, I know that a lot of places are um, now having virtual visits. So m- most of the major hospitals have set up uh, telemedicine. A virtual, um, Yeah, telemedicine visit um, where you can get triaged. And, you know, things are happening very quickly. There are COVID clinics that are opening up in front of hospitals, uh, you know, in front of my, basically in the lobby of my hospital, we have a COVID clinic. Um, and you know, with the increased capacity, we'll probably put a tent outside. And I know in New Rochelle, uh, I believe they have a testing tent, um, that's going to be set up if it hasn't been already.
0: Yes. With automated testing. I think it's drive-through. I think it's a drive-through tent.
1: Yeah. I think these things are really going to change, um, you know, the availability of testing. And I think we'll provide some reassurance for people, you know, at least trying to get through this uncertainty.
0: Right. Right. It's really hard to deal with uncertainty. It really is. And it's normal to be anxious. And it's also important to say to take care of your mental health. And especially if you have young children, it's important to model for them Mm -hmm. resilience here, but it's really hard. So I I think there's also um, important to reach out to your doctor if you're having anxiety that's disproportionate and make, making you not able to function. I mean, we all have anxiety. It's normal to have anxiety about this. It's almost counterproductive not to have any concern, right? Right. No, but, I think I think these
1: situations and I think quarantines, I think, you know, it's dem, it's been demonstrated that these really provoke, you know significant anxiety, uh, depression, and symptoms that are kind of similar to PTSD. Right.
2: Um,
1: so our bodies can actually physiologically change as a result of, you know, these kinds of sort of emergency situations. And I think being mindful of that, being mindful of how this is affecting, you know, your emotional health, you know, which is very connected with your, with your body and your physiology. Um, you know, if, if you're feeling uh, anxiety, I think it's important to call your
0: healthcare provider about that. Right. And that's very good for telemedicine, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just talking to someone, you know, who can put it in perspective. And I'm, I'm hoping that this talk, even though it has a lot of, you know, information that may be more anxiety provoking for people because it is the truth and we're only going to tell the truth and we're be, we've been as transparent as we possibly can be. I'm hoping we'll also be reassuring in the sense that all of these quarantines, all of these restrictions are meant to just slow it down so we can get a grip on it. That's Mm -hmm. all that it is. And the vast majority of people who get this will be fine without any specific treatment. And I thank you so much. But I just want to say one more thing that this is, you mentioned that this is constantly in flux. Every single thing we said, you know, can be different in an hour.
1: I agree. Yeah, completely. So,
0: you know, you want to be alert and paying attention to what's going on, but not obsessed, concerned, but not anxious. And please don't panic.
1: Right. And I think, you know, it's very important uh, for us to take a break from the media coverage. You know, thank goodness we have Shabbat for this. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, take that opportunity, um, be with your immediate family, celebrate being together um, and, you know, with your immediate family. And, uh, and uh, please, like, take a break from
0: this. For, Absolutely. For thank you so much. We should all be well and have a good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Joma Preventative Health Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share this with your friends. For more information, check out our Instagram at Joma underscore org. Check out our website, www.joma.org, that's J-O-W-M-A dot org, or email us at health at joma.org.